0: Good morning. Our text today is from Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. I'll just jump right in. It's, it's a bit dense, and I'm just going to warn you. This is one of the problems with this, this, uh, this opening part of Ephesians, is the syntax, and, and it's actually, in the Greek, one sentence, all the way from, I think, verse 3 down, uh, down, to, down to 23. And so it, it, it can be a bit overwhelming. So I'm going to read it, and I don't expect you to, to grasp what's going on as we're reading. But hopefully, hopefully, by God's grace and the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, we will grow in the knowledge of Him. Let's, let's read together. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, and what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As for you, you were dead in trespasses and Sins. I want to obey the text immediately and, and just and, and pray uh, the same way that Paul prays here. Father, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to open the eyes of our hearts. Father, we without that work, what, what am I going to be but a prattling fool? And what are we going to do be but gathered to perhaps learn or, or increase our our, our our minds, but not our not our hearts, not our worship. Father, we, we need you to act, you to be the one speaking, you to give us. We ask for an abundance of the Holy Spirit, and anointing for me and for all of us together. Because we, that's what we need in this hour. I pray that you would forgive the sins of the one who speaks, for there are so many. And Father, we ask to see Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We ask this, amen amen. I never thought of my, I'm 56. I don't look it, do I? I, I, Somebody say that, can somebody, can be a little love that way? I don't look. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I don't look it. My birthday's tomorrow, so I'm kind of a little on tender hooks. Well, well, my my wife woke up this morning and she said to me, do you know that you're closer to 60 than you are to 50? That's exactly what she said to me this morning. (laughs) What kindness was that? I never thought in my life that I would see a return of the imminent threat of nuclear annihilation. I just didn't think, for somehow, I, I, I'm old enough to remember what it was like with the Soviet and the Cold War and all those things, and I, I just never thought that in my lifetime, or, I didn't even see it coming just this last month, you know, I just didn't see it coming. I just didn't, it was so kind of arresting to, to, I remember my mom talking about, you know, going to the fallout shelters and all that kind of thing back in the 60s, and I never had to endure that kind of thing, That that's before my time, but but I, I, I never there was something grim about it. And, uh, and I heard a wonderful message about this from uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse. If you ever get a chance to listen to this, he's on podcasts and he's kind of an old style preacher. But, but uh, he was preaching at the beginning of World War II and he preached on Matthew 24, verse 6. And I just wanted to bring in with this because I wanted to begin with this because what, this is what Christ says, because I, I think there's a, it creates a question. And 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 maybe you're familiar with it, but Christ is at his his last discourse on the end times. And and he says, he says, look, there's gonna be war. He even says it must happen. He doesn't, it just must happen before the end. And the end will not be uh, come. There will be war. And not just war, there'll be rumors of wars. But don't let that upset you. Don't be troubled. In fact. The Greek is actually emphatic. He, he uses two, two imperatives. The English can't capture imperatives. We can put an exclamation point, about it. But there's two imperatives. See to it. It's like, look to this. Look to this. It's, and it's the force of a command from him. Look to this. Let not your hearts be frightened, troubled, alarmed. The observation is, okay, it, it seems to have been, it's true, right? There's been war. There, is war. there is war now, and there were rumors of wars. And then, but the command, don't... It's a command. It's not a suggestion or some good advice. It's not a, a friendly, a friendly, uh, friendly panelist. No! You! Don't, don't, don't. You're not allowed. See to it. that You are not troubled. And the double imperative make, it makes it living in the Greek it's in, in a way that the English barely captures. And I... I thought was when I was taking one of the pictures from Ukraine of rubble k- killing a man lying in the street and I just hate, I hate seeing pictures like, I hate it. I hate seeing it. Just, just, that's a person, I was somebody last week who was walking around talking and crying and had hopes and dreams and, and he's, ah, I just make, make something in me just, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, and, and then I was hearing a story there was one family that got out of Ukraine and, and, this, and with, her, with her kids, and, but, the, but, but her friends were, were texting her and, and communicating to her that, that their friends' playmates, one child had already gone catatonic. Wouldn't speak. It's completely closed in. Other children were babbling in their, in their, and screaming in their sleep. And, 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 I, and, I, and I hear Christ's words, and I, and I suddenly said to myself, Well, is he naive? Is he, is, why would you, no, 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 don't be troubled by that. What? Don't be alarmed, don't be frightened, don't be scared. What? Is he uninformed? Is he, is, are we, are we, I mean, I think it creates the question. Who is this guy? And why would he talk like that? Maybe he just didn't know how bad it gets. Maybe he was his his experience was too narrow. Maybe he was just nuts. Or is he insensitive to the suffering that war creates? And he gives these imperatives, and he and, and I wonder, and he even tells me my fear and alarm and my consternation and my terror is disobedience. Who is this? That, that to me, that, that's, that's, that's the question that, that, that his statement creates for me. Who are you that you would talk like this? Because if I said it, you should run me out. If so I was just saying it because I believe it. Now I say it's true. I think our text is gonna lead us to an answer where we will see in these words the absolute supremacy of Jesus. Like Jesus is bigger and greater than I have imagined him. And in that moment, in which the questions arouse, I think there's an answer. And the answer is, this is not a dusty carpenter roaming Palestine in a pre-scientific age. This is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings saying, this is my world, do not be troubled. I am on the throne, however bad war gets. I, I began with our text by, by practicing what is, what, is, what, what is practiced by Paul here. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and i encourage you right now just to pray that for yourself while i'm talking my words don't mean anything unless the spirit of wisdom and revelation delivers something greater than the timber or sound of my voice does that make sense like he has to speak here and so even as i'm speaking let's do that in our hearts do it for one another so that so that we have an answer to who is this guy an answer that makes sense. And one of the things that I want to begin with here now is we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm asking you to actually implement what I'm about to teach, but we need the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, to perceive, to grasp, to grow, to imagine the absolute supremacy of Jesus. We, we need him to do that. Otherwise, that that it's just a fuzzy idea to us. It doesn't have any power for us. We need the Holy Spirit to do this in our hearts. Why? Why? Because we all are busy. We all make a mistake, and I've made the mistake too. Don't don't get me wrong here. It's not. I want You know, my mom used to say, "If you point one finger, three fingers are pointing back at you." You yeah. know, and I made the same mistake of creating a God in my own image, or a God of my imagination, or a God of my theology and textbooks, or a God of my systematics. You see. And a lot of times the, gods that, the God that we create, the God that we imagine, I don't know, I don't know you know, look, uh, Hollywood does it for us. You know, if you're younger, it's Morgan Freeman. God kind of looks like Morgan Freeman. If you're a little older, like me, it looks like George Burns, you know. There's all these, and we're created with, and, and we can't help it, a lot of times we take, and it's one of the reasons why the Old Testament forbade images, we take those images and, and all of a sudden God shrinks to that size in our imagination, in our hopes, in our dreams, and all of a sudden, our God is that small, and all, we need to be free of that, right? Only the Holy Spirit can free us of that. I, I, I'm tired of a stale God. <laughs> of a stale, you know, because you know what a stale God creates? Stale Christians, <laughs> stale faith, stale hopes, and nothing that can answer who is this guy who tells me not to be afraid when war is broken out in my, in my day. And so it, 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 and, and so I see here, this begins in prayer. That's why I asked, you, I asked you, I think when you listen to John preach or anybody speak, you should be in a prayerful place. Father, let this truth sink in. Do something with me. Because that's the only hope we have. We are arrogant, We're so arrogant in the modern age, we think that we can categorize and, and systematize and think and understand. And this God eludes all that. <laughs> he doesn't... I remember, if you remember that J. Alfred Prufock, um, set wriggling upon a pin, we're going to somehow, we're going to taxonomically identify God and put him... With, and he, he does not permit that. He is greater than our taxonomical prowess or insight. We can't, there is no category for him. And we need this. But there's a reason we need this, because what this is teaching us and what, what Paul seems to have in mind is that this contemplation... Of the majesty and greatness of God has power itself. Power itself to bring healing and equipping and hope to our souls. It's a strange idea for us. It's like there's a there's a power, there's a there's a there's a there's a possibility in the contemplation, in the focus. Um you know, there is a modern concept that what you focus on transforms you. We, we think about this, you know, you know visualization techniques. Say what you focus on is what you manifest in the world. Or what you focus on transforms you. Nothing that is nowhere more true than it is of Jesus when we contemplate his majesty. So when I present to you or want to present to you and ask you to pray about the absolute supremacy of Christ becoming real to you, my hope is that that contemplation, that meditation, and that focus can have an equipping, healing, transforming power for you and for us. Anselm, uh, if you're familiar with Anselm, so great philosopher from the Middle Ages. And, and, and he, uh, he had a, he had a uh, definition of God that he is. And he, he called him, <laughs> it's kind of really abstract, kind of goes against everything I'm saying right now, but you'll see why. God is that being greater than which none can be conceived. I'll say it again. God is that being greater than which none can be conceived. And I, I love that definition. It's used in what's called the ontological argument. And, but, but the reason I like that definition so much is it, get, it creates a, a it creates a rule for us about thinking about God. You all have a conception of God. Maybe you have a conception of his greatness, his wonder. We are singing, holy, holy, holy. Maybe you have an image that comes up as you imagine that, with, like Isaiah did when he saw, he saw the Lord Almighty in the temple. Now, whatever you conceive of God, in his majesty, his eternity, his greatness, his power, I have a, there's a rule for this. He's greater than that. <laughs> Just at the moment, you think you've grasped him. He, he is yet greater than what you have conceived. He is greater than that which can be conceived. And this rule for thinking about God is an invitation to, it, it begins to hint at why eternity is not boring. <laughs> why why, why in, being in his presence, it has no idleness to it. You know, there's these magnificent beings we sing holy, 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 these angels, we, 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 we're taking our cue from them, there are angels that Isaiah sees that are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Well, well, well John in Revelation 800 years later, no, 600 years later. Uh, 600 years later, they're saying the same thing. <laughs> they're still saying the same thing. Holy, holy, holy. Now sometimes we think, well, didn't they get bored? If God is that being greater than which none can be conceived, they are coming to a conception and then correcting themselves. <laughs> no, 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 we haven't said it yet. We haven't grasped it yet. He's yet holier still. No, no, no. We, no, no, no. He's, and these are beings of not slaves, not slaves, are they? These are beings of tremendous power, intellect, and will choosing to be there in a contemplation that transforms them. Don't you want to enter into that? I want to enter into that. I don't think we can enter into it unless the Holy Spirit does something with us. The Spirit of wisdom and revelation does something with our hearts. But it gets better yet. So, as we at the tremendous power of this contemplation, it's not. I, I know I've been a little bit abstract about it, but it has a content. This meditation, this contemplation, and focus has a compass, content. This absolute supremacy. Now, the, 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 the syntax, as I told you, is a bit complicated. But he, he says, I, "I praying that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom." In verse seventeen, and having the eyes of your eyes uh, of your heart enlightened. In verse eighteen, and then he be lists two things that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Number one, that's the first clause. Then there's a second clause, that you know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And now we're, where I want to focus on the third clause, the third part of his request, which is, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ. And this right here, this is where his supremacy Begins to take shape. First and foremost, right here, his supremacy over the power of death. Look at verse 20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The first thing we're introduced to is the absolute supremacy of Christ over decay. Over death. Now, I'm getting old enough to talk about decay and own it. All right? One of the fundamental laws of physics is the uh, everything is moving from a state of order to disorder. Uh, the, uh, one of the fundamental ideas is that is that we are that the universe having begun in a hot, dense state, as that as Big Bang theory would tell us, it has been cooling off ever since. Ultimately, as we if, as we track that, scientists have s- discovered and 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 suppose I think f- what seems to be inevitable, there's a heat death to the universe ultimately, where everything finally cools off completely. That, that, we're, we're right now at the point, we can look at our sun out there and the way it's shining in the street. That's 14 billion years after whatever happened in the beginning, from what we can tell, from what we can best understand. 14 billion years of decay. And Christ comes along and reverses death. The, the cosmic claim being made here is more stunning than we probably grasp. We often we, we think of Christ's victory over death and resurrection in sort of um, in very very spiritual terms or very religious terms. I mean, but we if we if we take if we reckon if we reckon with what with what we understand about the universe, Christ as the creator is reversing the inevitable destruction of Christopher Robbins because he. Has supremacy over death. Now, we can go into it. It's not just physical death, but spiritual death. In verse 2, 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. It is a cosmic and, and, and pure victory over every form of decay. Praise him. I, I want to praise him. But it gets better. It gets better. It is also the absolute supremacy of Jesus over every and all creature. It's kind of interesting how many ways he say, says it from here off. He seated in the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority, there's an all word, and power and dominion. Above every name, there's another all word. Every name that is named, not only in this age, but the old one to come. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him his head over all things. All, every, all, every, all, every. And there's an identification <laughs> that describes Putin, Satan, Biden, me, John, you. Everybody, every creature. Complete authority. <laughs> you know, it's funny, if there's any many of us have a fear of death, but if we really I, I, I think one of the most tangible fears I know of is the fear of people a fear of their opinions, a fear of their power, a fear of your boss, a fear of what, a fear of your review, a fear of, of uh, and here he claims it, here he claims it. To the Ephesians, this is so precious because they live in a place that is governed by the God who fall from heaven, uh, Diana. We talked about that last time when I was here, but no, but, but, but no, 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 no. no. There's nobody that he does not have power over. And he uses this under his feet, this footstool image, and it's kind of cool, I, it, it, it's, um, the idea is a king sits in a really big chair, so he needs some place to put his feet, you know, like it's the idea that it's like a really big seat, so he needs something to put his feet on. And guess what he puts his feet on? Every single human being that ever has existed, and every, every angel, every demon, every, uh, under his feet. Wow. Wow. It gets better. It continues to expand. It continues to grow. It's the absolute supremacy of Jesus over all dimensions. Look at verse 20, in the heavenly places. Look at verse 21, this age, but also in the one to come. Look at verse 23, who fills all in all. We're introduced here to the omnis. Remember the omni? Omnipresent, omnipotent, omnipotent. He is the all He'll over every dimension, over the spiritual dimension, over the spatial dimension, all in all, and over what? Over the temporal dimension. This age and the age to come, absolute supremacy. The reason I like teaching on this in this text is because it's such a dense. It's so densely packed in here. You don't see how how wisely Paul is unpacking every way we can look at the greatness and majesty of Jesus. <laughs> wow! How wonderful. You know, it's funny, these omni-words, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, we can use the omni-words, omniscient, uh, omnipotent, um, omnipresent. But you know, um, they're really, they're, it's really said bad best by, by children. And, and I, think, I think each one of the, I, I would encourage you, maybe you don't want to do this in front of other people, do it alone in the car. I get it. But I do it. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Amen. That is sound, biblical, true theology for the soul, and it's transformative. is the kind of thing you can contemplate. Because that's all we've really said. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm. talking. I've got. I can. I'm. I'm very eloquent. I can be very. I, I can. I can use all the words. But all I'm saying is, God's bigger than you think. <laughs> he's bigger than that. In fact, he's bigger than bigness itself. <laughs> He's, he is absolutely supreme. I, I get, you know, it's funny. I, my first, my first pastor, I was 28, and it was in the inner city. I was uh, the only white man in a black neighborhood, and, and I, was, uh, I was trying so hard. And uh, I, wanted, I really wanted to be an evangelist and a pastor. And, and uh, I, loved, I loved the ministry there. It was very really scary. Within, I think, the, I, I, five weeks, five, I remember this, five weeks after I was ordained, a woman in my church had her head blown off 50 feet from the church building. And uh, I heard the gunshots that night. I happened to be in a session meeting, uh, an elders meeting. I was meeting with my elders, and the phone kept ringing, so I remember turning the phone off because I thought that was what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to, this was important, this was the kingdom of God stuff. My head was so far up my own tail, I couldn't see straight. I was an idiot, and I was failing. And I, and I remember, I would, and, and my, my, my answer to that was to preach loud. I mean, I, you think, you haven't heard how loud I can get yet. Uh, I remember hearing reports that George Whitfield could be heard a mile away. I don't know if I could beat him, but I've got volume. And uh, one thing about modern a modern black church in America, they love volume. I could just shout and holler all I want. And I, but it was I felt it was empty, and I didn't see people changed. I got so the crisis increased so dramatically at one point. <laughs> I stopped praying. I wouldn't pray unless I had to in a public setting in which it was required of me professionally. But privately, in any condition we were with my elders, I would not pray because every word out of my mouth sounded like BS to me. It sounded like crap. It sounded like I was just full of it all the time. And I I could see the hypocrisy. I could see, I couldn't understand why this was so hard. John Calvin was my hero and I knew John Calvin preached on the gospels on Sunday morning. And I thought, maybe I should do that. I'd never heard of a press, especially in my, my tradition, preaching to the Gospels is not common. But why did Calvin do it? And I remember asking my mentor about it. And he said, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't preach to the Gospels. Because they're repetitive, often very mysterious, and culturally so different. You're, you, it's not good. It's just very hard to preach through. That kind of intimidated me. So I picked the shortest one. I picked Mark. I figured, well, I, but I just didn't think he was right. I mean, it was the Holy Spirit. This is what happened. This is why I want to give glory to God for, because the Spirit of wisdom and revelation began to open my heart, eyes in my heart. When I began to preach every week about Jesus, Jesus—I mean, full control over lepers and every—and I realized I had never grasped how mighty He was. I'd never really seen. All of a sudden, and maybe you're experiencing this in Luke. All of a sudden, it felt like. Like I was like a mighty God had walked into my consciousness, in my heart, in my life, and my preaching, and I was in love with him again. I was in love with him again. I just wanted to know more. I wanted to speak about him again and again. And all of a sudden, it, it was greater than I, I had. I had limited God so deeply in my heart, he had shrunk so small. And ministry was all about me trying harder. And I, 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 I couldn't see how conceited I was. I couldn't see it, I couldn't have it. And I, I, I was poor people. <laughs> I feel so bad for them when I think back about it. But what had happened there? Let's take a look here, I want you to see this. Let's return to our original question. How can Jesus command us not to be alarmed or afraid? Because this is who he is. How can he command it, how can he command it? And make it a command, because this is who he is. Get him greater in your imagination. Imagination is simply faith with wings flying. Imagine he is greater than you thought he was. Imagine him high and exalted. Imagine him lifted up and take the tools of your mind and heart and expand them. And I think there's so much here for us. The power of this contemplation is transformative for us and can be. And you know what happened to me? This is I want you to look at this. This is what's All right, so I'm asking you know, the power of this contemplation this is going someplace where I think contemplation ends, in a sense, but where contemplation fails us. Look at this. he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to who? The porch! The church! And all of a sudden, what had happened to me, and what I pray happens to you, is Jesus stopped being an idea, and he started becoming a person. A mighty, a mighty person. A mighty person to save. And his commands didn't make me go, Who is this guy? And, and who, why has he called me to do this? And how could he say these commands to, Oh my goodness, oh my, oh my God, you have spoken, you've come. And this is all grace, isn't it? This isn't what does what is gave mean? It's a gift. It's the gift of faith, it's the gift of grace, it's the whole idea. Have you put your faith in Jesus? It's the gift of all, th- oh my goodness. And then everything I've been telling you about contemplation. I think we, we suddenly realize why Paul says that in Ephesians 3 that we, we know what can't be known. Like all of a sudden, our brains just fizzle out. We just, we can't, there's nowhere for us to go with this anymore. It gets better than that. It gets greater than that. For the final observation I want to bring to you is this. And this, was, this is the one I, I don't know what to do with this. But I, it's, it's there. You do with it some, do something with it. Verse 23, we just read that. He gave him as head over all things to the church, the porch, first Presbyterian, to the church. What is the church? What's his body? But it's also what? His fullness. Everything I just said about the absolute supremacy and majesty of Jesus Christ that I invited you to contemplate is filled up by you, by us. I mean, what am I doing up here? How can, I get, how can I tell? I don't even know what that means. Do you know what that means? What's the implication of that? That is unbelievable. Look around. Do you see the fullness of Jesus Christ, the supreme authority of the universe, when you look into one another's eyes? Well, you're just not seeing right then. Do you look at the numbers here on a Sunday morning? Or you imagine, oh wait, no, no, couldn't. no, that's all a lie. We possess, we are possessing when he was praying, when we're singing, the, full, the fullness of the being I just described is, 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 is in me and Dennis together. I want you to notice this, it's not, before you even personalize it, it it's just something extraordinary happens here. It's a fullness that we only have together. It's a, given, it's a gift to all of us together. There's something about this. The gospel only lives and thrives and grows, and the majesty of Jesus is only grasped if you will do it with me, and I do it with you. You know, it's funny. We're doing the responsive readings today of the Bible. You're doing the 24, Psalm 24. You're reading it back and forth. Do you know what you're enacting there? That principle that the person, the person up front needs to hear the word of God as much as you do. Speak it to him and hear it back from him or her. It doesn't matter. Because what are we doing right there in that echo and that call and response? We're beginning to live in and enact the fullness that we are of Jesus. And I can't even, even as I think about it, my head just just wants to pop. It's like, how do I, what is that? You know what what kind of a garbage person I am? ah! I'm a part of it, but no, 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 no. No, 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 Chris. I can hear the text speak peace to my heart. No, 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 Chris. No, 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 brothers and sisters. God is in such a love affair with his people that we are his fullness. I wrote something down that I think gets it a little bit. What can it mean? How can we understand the stunning conclusion? We can't unless his fullness is somehow measured against the emptiness it fills, Right? It's a fullness that makes sense. It's a a dimension of his supremacy that's reflected in the fact that it fills empty people. How can we know, how can we understand this unless this fullness somehow is measured against the death that it heals, or the suffering that it works through, or the insignificance that it honors and exalts, the impotence that it gives power to, the personal failure we know is given real victory. Isn't this a principle that his strength is ultimately made perfect by what? Where's the strength be revealed? In weakness. And so you look around, you're like, we're so weak, we're, we're so powerless, I'm so impotent, I'm so unable to be what it is I want to be, or anything that seems in smatters of holiness. And here is the gospel of Jesus who fills all in all, who gives us grace upon grace, saying, No. I want to meet you right there. And guess what I meet you with? Fullness. We are his fullness. Even as we experience so little in our hearts. Oh, wow. And what I, I want to end with this is this is this right here, this is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Fullness. This is holy. That's what this means, this is holy. This is why gossip and talking bad about one another is so, such an ugly smear of Jesus himself. Why? Because we are his fullness. This is why I encourage you, don't be casual about church attendance. Not because it's another rule, not because it's another thing, God, oh, i got to go to church. Oh. You, you think I don't think that way? I'm the preacher and I feel that way sometimes. But, but no, 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 no. Don't, don't allow your flesh or this world or our enemy to deceive you. You are, this is a holy moment. This is a holy, holy place you're in. And a holy God has decided, this is my fullness, right here. We can't afford to despise that, can we? You know, I, I, I am terrible at planning. I was raised by hippies. Or really, sorry, I was raised by wolves. I, I was raised down in the woods. I have no, I have no ability. I have self-discipline is one of the hardest things. I have, uh, it, it, you wouldn't want to work with me, trust me. I, just, I can't complete a plan to save my life. But you know what I've noticed? I always plug in my phone the night before. I have become a tremendous planner. My earphones, my little earbuds, you know, the little, I always make sure they're in the charging case and the charging case is plugged in. I always make sure my computer or my iPad are plugged in to power. All of a sudden it's funny, I'm a tremendously good planner when it comes to my entertainments and my, <laughs> and my, and my devices. I would encourage you to have the same zeal you have for your devices, for this place, for this, for our church together, right? For our community, because we are plugged in to this this majesty here, and we're filling it up. We're filling it up. We're filling it up. Praise him. This is the contemplation. This is the meditation. This is the focus that brings transformation. Praise Him. Let's pray, dearest Father. I thank you for Your Word. I I, I don't even know if if I I feel like you know I, You called me to preach, and then I what am I? What can, how can I grasp these things? But. That's where you meet us with your fullness and your grace. You give us this, Jesus. He's ours. He's our Savior. He's our friend. I um, I pray you please uh, forgive me for how deeply I fail in this place um, in preaching. But I, I don't think that you fail. And I pray that we would together... Uh, 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 that, this, that this community of, of, your, of your children would uh, have power by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, to, to have the eyes of their hearts enlightened to the absolute majesty, supremacy, and glory of, of Jesus, your Son. I ask that for myself and all who hear me. In Jesus' name, amen.